Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And if you do me a favor, please subscribe to every listening. Please subscribe to every watching. It definitely means a lot to me. Uh, for people that's wondering where I was last week, uh, it was my birthday. Uh, I appreciate all the people that uh, sent me birthday wishes and happy birthdays and stuff like that. It was my birthday, and I went out of I went to I went out of the country. So. Uh, I didn't bring my laptop. I didn't want to record. I wanted to get away from everything, and I definitely enjoyed myself. So yeah, that is why I did not record last week. Um, and we're here, so I appreciate you guys. Uh, we're back, and let's get it. So this happened last week. Um, Juan Soto, the young star of Washington Washington Nationals was offered a 15-year $440 million contract. That, if he would have, well, that is the largest contract in, in MLB history. He was offered that and he turned it down. <laughs> first, first, let me, let me first say this. Um, I know I hear a lot of people killing Juan Soto talking about, you know, how do you turn down $440 million? I don't know how you turn down, but I've never seen $440 million. $440 million has never been in my face. Um, but Juan Soto turned it down. So what does, what does this mean moving forward? This means a, a couple things, actually. For Juan Soto, he's betting on himself. He is one of the best young players in all of baseball. You know, we talk about Vladimir for the Blue Jays. We talk about Shohei Otani. We, we, when we talk about some of the young talent, uh, Fernando Tatis, Juan Soto's name's in there. The, the difference, and one of the biggest, and probably the main reason why uh, he didn't sign the contract, the difference between those players and Juan Soto is they get a lot more recognition than Juan Soto. And why is that? Because they're on they're they're on teams that win a lot more or they're they're on more famous teams because the Angels they, you have probably two of the best players in in MLB and they're still trash. But they're still in LA, they're still one of the most popular teams, it's still the Angels. Juan Soto's 23. And when asked, you know, why he turned down the contract, now there there was a lot more things that he said, but in 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 conclusion, he pretty much said that he's tired of losing, and he doesn't want to lose. Uh, now, the Nationals that won the the World Series back in what two thousand nineteen that that is not the Nationals that we're seeing. I mean. Matt Scherzer's gone, Trey Turner's gone, uh, Rendon is gone, Matt uh, Stras Strasburg he's going through injury after injury. So the, the 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 championship team that we had, or that the 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 Nationals had, this isn't this is not that team. This is pretty much a full rebuild team. 
And some players are not don't want to aren't built for rebuild. Some players, some teams don't want players to be on rebuild. A lot of players don't want to be on rebuilds. Hell, you can look at Dejounte Murray. Dejounte Murray, the the Spurs are headed headed full guns blazing to a rebuild, and they were able to trade Dejounte Murray because he didn't want to be part of the rebuild. They didn't want him to be part of the rebuild. Not saying that he he's not good. It's just you know. But Juan Soto does not want to be part of the rebuild. Um, and he he turned down the largest contract in MLB history. And I, I, the more and more you think about it, the more and more I understand. Now, when I say I understand, yeah, I understand why he turned it down. It's still, ooh, that'll, that'll still be a lot for me to turn down. But again, I, I've never seen $440 million. But the the deal was for 15 years. Not only would that be the largest deal in MLB history, I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe that would be the longest contract in, in MLB history. You see, when you have a talent like that, when you have young talent, you want you want them on your team. Juan Soto, again, is one of the best young young players in all of baseball. So I understand for the Nationals, this is... This deal, this is a, a, a this is a good deal for both sides. Both sides sort of win, sort of. And when I say sort of, of course, if you're the player, you're seeing the largest deal, as at least money wise, in MLB history. Juan Soto would be the large, highest paid uh, MLB player ever. But I also understand the deal from the national side. I mean, the nationals, you want to lock up a player like Juan Soto. I mean, hell, you had Bryce Harper. He's not there anymore. So, of course, you want to lock up a player like Juan Soto for the long term, which is 15 years. Now, I believe Juan Soto is 23 years old. By the end of this contract, he will be 38. Now, I've already talked about this before. I don't understand I understand it but I think it's 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 tough these long contracts like you don't people that sign in 10 12 year contracts you don't know what's gonna hell you don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow now I'm not saying sign day-to-day-to-day contracts but what's so wrong by signing a five-year contract what's so wrong by signing a six-year contract like why do you have to sign a 15 a 12 a 13 i just think that is so risky for both both player and the team now again the money wise is cool i understand that you know you you secure a player so i get the upside but there's a there's a downside to it as well. Like you don't what and Lord forbid, I don't wish any injury upon anyone. But what if Juan Soto injures himself and can never play again? Now you're now you're strapped to him for 15 years. And for people that haven't been watching this podcast, or people that don't really know about sports like that, or don't know about baseball like that, all of these are fully guaranteed contracts. So whether he can sign tomorrow blow out his knee lord forbid i do not wish that upon anybody blow out his knee you're still paying this man 440 million dollars but but hey i that's a lot of money but i understand 
So now, so now what happens moving forward? Uh, we, for people that don't know the debacle at the home run derby after Juan Soto turned down the contract, he was supposed to be part of All-Star Weekend, um, which is, of course, the home run derby. The team, the Nationals, being as petty as they are, was like, no, we're not, we're not going to uh, charter your, we're not going to charter you. You're not going to use the team plane if you don't even want to be on said team, or you don't even want to sign the long term contract. Um, so he had to like take a commercial flight, <laughs> which is crazy, and still ended up winning the home run derby. So shouts out to Juan Soto. Look here. Shouts out to the um, JJ Reddick podcast. I think he just had Alex Caruso on. And Alex Caruso said something that I wholeheartedly agree with. And that our players are starting to act like teams. And teams, media, they don't like that in the slightest. You see, what Juan Soto's doing is he's betting on himself. He also understands if a team like the Nationals is willing to give him a 15-year, $440 million contract, that means he's worth that. And he could be worth more for a team that, is, that, that, that at least for the foreseeable future, could use him. Like, if he is inserted into a team, they could win. So he knows he's worth more. So... On the outside, it's like, damn, how are you going to turn down a $440 million contract? But in his head, it's like, you offered that to me. That means I'm sure somebody can offer me more. You see, we talk about Kevin Durant. We talk about people signing deals. Kevin Durant signing a four-year or in the midst of a four-year deal. I think two, one year into it, he wants, he wants to be traded. There's a fear that... Bradley Bill and the Washington Wizards. There's a feel, fear that Bradley Bill just signed $250 million contract extension and a year or two into the deal, he's going to want out. People don't like that. People don't want that. Hell, we heard Adam Silver talk. We hear the commissioner of baseball talk about it. They don't like that, but teams do the same thing. A team can 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 sign you to a sign and trade they can sign you uh, and then you may not look as good year one or two then they trade you that's what's happening players are starting to understand they have the power like who who do you think who do you think has more power in the situation than washington nationals or the or juan soto in fact you know is juan soto because now Washington has to trade him. They have to trade him because I think they have about two years left on his deal. The last thing, you know he's not going to be there. He did, I don't know if it's the money. I don't know if it's the years. But you know he's not going to be there. And, you, and, and now you have to trade him now. Because once the, you know, the, the, the. One of the biggest reasons why. How am I gonna how am I gonna put this? Uh teams know that you ha that the Nationals have to trade Juan Soto. They know that. However, they also know 
or what we do know is teams are going to give up a haul for Juan Soto. He might the 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 haul that the Nationals might get for Juan Soto might be the the the, the biggest haul in in MLB history. And you're asking yourself why? Because if you know that you have to trade somebody and you know that in 2 years he's going to hit the market, why give up this much? Because in 2 years he's going to hit the market. Meaning in 2 years he can decide wherever the hell he want to go. So, while he still has time left in his contract, you give as much as you give so he can be on your team. Then you can negotiate from there like, hey, we can give you a contract. What do you want in your contract? How much do you want? You know what I mean? Like, you're hearing teams like uh, the, the, the Dodgers or the Cardinals, the Padres, um, teams like that, the Yankees, teams like that. Are, are probably going to try to put their bid in and try to give as much as they can because you want you want to make decisions with him on your roster outside of him in free agency because if he is free agency, it's fair game. He can go anywhere. So this is an interesting, like, again, he'll be a free agent in 2024. And, and you have to trade him. Now... Depending on what the Nationals are going to get, you're hearing they want a lot of prospects or or players. I don't know, but they they can get a lot for Juan Soto, and Juan Soto is one of the best young players in the MLB. So it's in, it, it did happen a week ago, but I did you know like I said I haven't been here, so I wanted to talk about it. But uh, yeah, uh, as a Nat, a lot of people ask me as a Nationals fan, how do you feel? Um, I understand what's going on. I and I'm a regional fan. You know what I'm saying? I'm from the DMV, so I'm from Maryland. I'm from so I, I of course I root for all the Maryland teams. I root for the Nat or Maryland DC teams. I root for the Nationals. I root for the Wizards. I root for the Commanders. I root for for the Ravens. I root for a lot of teams or the teams. I root for the Capitals. Um, but I understand. I understand both sides. I understand the Nationals. I understand Juan Soto. Juan Soto's and is in a position where you're one of the best young talents. You don't want to keep losing. You don't want losing. I mean, think about it. We just talked about, I talked about the Angels. Think about that. Mike Trout can argue, arguably be the best, the, the best baseball player ever. Like that is, he is in, he is in discussions to possibly be the best baseball player ever. One of the biggest reasons why, a lot of people will not put him in that, you know, crown him. That is because he plays for an Angels team that is nowhere close to a World Series. Like, and has never been close to a World Series. Baseball is like the ultimate team sport. You can have one of the ultimate team sports. Of course, you have football. But you can have one of the look at look at the look at the um the Yankees before this year. The Yankees have had Aaron Judge. The Yankees had Carlo, uh, Giancarlo Stanton. But they had no chance of winning because they didn't have pitching. Like, there's so much that has to go right. You can you can be the best team. You can, be, you, you can have the best pitching in all the baseball. But if you have no bullpen, then it's over with. So, I understand. I understand Juan Soto's side. You don't want to keep losing. You don't want to be on a losing team. And I also understand the national side. 
Why would we want to give? Why? Of course, we want to lock up a player like Juan Soto. Hell, they were so they were look. <laughs> they were okay with letting go Bryce Harper, who won a M, who won a MVP with the Nationals, and won shortly after he. I think two years after he left the Nationals, they were able to let they they were okay with letting Bryce Harper walk. Because they had Juan Soto. So, I understand it. I'm just, I'm curious to see, you know, what's going to happen. So, let's move forward. And speaking of contracts, let's move over to football a little bit. Um, So, Kyler Murray finally got a contract, you know, done with the Cardinals. And, you know, he signs a $230 million contract. But it's not the fact that he signed the contract that's making waves right now. It is what is in his contract. And what is in his contract, one of the stipulations for the contract is you must do four hours of independent studies on his own time. That's inside the contract. Now, one of the biggest reasons why this is making headline upon headline is this. You don't hear about this. You never hear about this. Not hear about this. This doesn't happen. This is a lot of people that are in, in the NFL, a lot of people that are, you know, around the NFL. They've never heard of something like this. How are you going to you're in the contract, you're making someone do extra work. Now this situation reminds me of a lot of things. Now I was wondering. One of the big I was wondering why it was taking so long and why there was such an impasse with Kyler Murray's contract. I mean, they the Cardinals were one of the best teams last year. Kyler Murray was one of the biggest reasons for that. Um, I was wondering why they were having such a tough time getting a contract done. Then I remembered a couple things. I remembered um the reputation that Kyler Murray has kind of developed is sort of a diva type, uh, diva type reputation. Uh, he does I'm not say he runs away from the work, but he does. He's he's a supremely talented player, supremely talented, but he does the bare minimum as far as off off off. That's now I don't know. This is just the reputation that he's built. A diva is about him. He doesn't really put in the work outside of the actual work. And then I remember an interview that he did where he said he pretty football comes to him. You know, it, it comes to him over time. Like he doesn't feel like he needs to watch film all the time because it just comes to him. He's just that talented. So it all starting it's all starting to come together. Now I understand why the Cardinals were he, was hesitant to give him the contract. Now I understand why every single year the Cardinals start off great. Kyler Murray's an MVP discussion, the Cardinals start off great. And it's usually towards the middle, late or Late middle, early end of the season, where they just start plummeting, which exactly is what we saw again this year. It's like teams are figuring them out. 
And I get it now. You see, if you want something, right, you can't make someone do something they don't want to do. You can't make someone do something that is not in them to do. And, and this is, I think Shannon Sharp said this, man. This is one of the biggest reasons why. Sometimes it's not always the offensive line. Sometimes it's it's the 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 the, the your team is so the NFL the, in football your team is so strapped to your quarterback. It's not even funny. You can have the the steel curtain bears defense, but if you do not have a good uh, a good defense, I mean if you do not have a good quarterback or at least a competent quarterback, it doesn't matter. You're not winning anything. Hell, Aaron Donald is 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 unanimous, unanimously regarded as the best defensive player in football. In fact, there's a lot of people and there's a lot of sites, a lot of a lot of insiders, a lot of GMs, there's a lot of people in the NFL world that think that Aaron Donald is the best player period in football. There's a lot of people that think Aaron Donald could possibly be the greatest defensive player the league has ever seen, and this is the same. Def- this is the same league that saw Reggie White, the same league that saw Lawrence Taylor, the same league that saw um, J.J. Watt in his prime, Deion Sanders. There's people that say that Aaron Donald is the best defensive player ever. Yet and still. The one year he won a ring, he, which, of course, was last year, was the year that he had arguably a top 10 quarterback in Matthew Stafford. So I was wondering, yo, why? Why does the Cardinals always fall short? And it's not always the, you know, you want to blame the offensive line. You want to blame the running back. You want to blame the wide receiver. Sometimes it is the quarterback. This is crazy that you have to put this in a contract that you're paying someone $230 million. That you have to put in the contract, hey, yo, you have to, you have to watch some, you have to watch film independently. For four hours a week. Now, I'm not an NFL player. I don't. I, I'm not going to claim that I know what 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 it's like to be an NFL player. I played football one year of my life, but I do know what it's like to be a basketball player. I played college basketball. I played high school basketball. I played middle school basketball. I do know what it's like to be a basketball player. And I do understand what it's like to watch film. Now, I wasn't the best basketball player on my team. I'm not going to sit here and act like I was. Hell, I wasn't even the sixth man on my team. I, I got some playing time. I did some things, but I wasn't even the sixth man. But even in that, I watched a good 14 to 15 hours independently a week of film. Just so... When my time was when when coach called my name to get on the floor and 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 I matched up with somebody, I know exactly what they're going to do. 
I wasn't getting paid $230 million. And it wasn't an ex- expected to me to carry my college team to a championship. That was the that was the hope that the team would get there. But that wasn't my job. I wasn't a quarterback. It's it's crazy. And then four hours? A, independently a week? That's crazy, bro. That 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 um that just confirms a lot of the stories, a lot of the diva stories, a lot of you know, it's, it's mainly Kyler, and he doesn't really put in much work. That that confirms it, because why would you have to put that in a contract? That, by the way, Kyler signed. That's yo. There's seven. There's seven days a week. There's seven days in a week. Six. Let's let's just say six, because we're talking about NFL. One of these days you're playing. Whether that's Sunday, whether that's Monday, whether that's Thursday, you're playing one of these days. So six days you're not playing. Out of those six days, you got to take four hours, not a day, four hours a week independently. And apparently he wasn't doing that enough. So you have to put that in a contract. That's a bad look for Kyler, man. That's a bad look for Kyler. And you know what? Also, it's a bad look for Kyler, and it's a bad look that it got out there because it was going to get out there. I mean, once you sign a contract, it has to go to the union. The union have to read the contract. They have to see things that maybe is unfair, maybe is fair to the player. Um, and then, of course, that's where you see a lot of contract details that get, that get leaked or get uh, put out to the public. The reason why this got leaked, you knew it was going to get leaked because it's like even people at the union place has never seen anything like this. Never seen that you have to watch film four hours a week outside. They've never seen that. So think about that. Think about if Kyler does this, which he's apparently is going to have to, and they start losing like they usually do the second half of the season. Then you're going to have his own teammates look at him like, Damn, Kyler, did you watch film for four hours this week? Because how did you not know that blitz was coming? How did you not know where to put us? How did you not know which way the defense was going to come at you or, or how the defense was covered or how did you miss that or how did you have – how was that interception an interception? You know what I'm saying? Like they're going to – it's it's going to be – that is mm, – that's crazy, man. That's crazy. And on top of that story – now we have to put in Lamar Jackson. Now, I don't know if it's pro football focus, but these anonymous sources, these, these, these articles have been going crazy. Look, I think it was an unanimous, a, a unanimous or no, anonymous, I'm sorry, anonymous source that said, like, it doesn't matter if Lamar Jackson wins 12 MPPs, he'll never be a one. They also said that uh, Patrick Mahomes is a tier two quarterback, by the way. Mm. Patrick Mahomes. Look. We talked about, when we talked about the Rudy Gobert trade, we talked about teams setting the market. 
And there's some times where, you know, contracts or, or a bad team will set the market. And I, I was questioning, why are you letting a why are you letting a team like the Timberwolves, who hasn't won anything since or hasn't been to the playoffs, I think since like 2003 or something. Why are you letting a team like that dictate the market? Why is a Rudy Gobert trade where you clearly see that a team gave up way more than they were supposed to? How is that now dictating the market? Which it, which you can kind of see it is. I mean, you have the Jazz asking for six first-round picks for Donovan Mitchell. You have the Brooklyn Nets asking for two all-stars plus players plus five, six picks for Kevin Durant, which I understand how good Kevin Durant is, but two all-star type. T- Come on now. In football, contracts usually dictate the market, especially when we talk about quarterback. And people were saying, you know, when Tyreek Hill got his his contract, people were saying, oh, that's going to set the market. When Devontae Adams signed his contract or, you know, signed the contract with the Raiders, they were saying that's going to, you know, that's going to set the market. Cooper Cup or, or you know, Derrick Henry when he's on his contract. Contracts are usually what sets the market in the NFL. And sometimes, you know, like, like the Patrick Mahomes, I think it's 10 years, $500 million. That's Patrick Mahomes. That's not going to happen. Some people understand yeah, that's not that's not going to happen. And even that that contract is looking more and more like a steal for the the Kansas City Chiefs. But I, I I talk about that and I talk about Lamar Jackson in conjunction with this Kyler Murray Kyler Murray uh, contract, excuse me, because Kyler Murray just got two hundred thirty million dollars. Unless your last name ends in Murray or you are Arizona fan, there should be nobody that thinks Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson is not better than Kyler Murray. Lamar Jackson has MVP. Lamar Jackson has a better winning percentage than Kyler Murray. Lamar Jackson has taken his Ravens further in the playoffs than Kyler Murray, albeit maybe around further, but further. I saw that to say Lamar Jackson has played this contract situation beautifully. And it kind of goes back to the statement that I said with Juan Soto or or the statement that uh, Alex Caruso said, um, said on JJ Reddick's podcast, players are, are now acting like teams. Trust me, the, the, the more and more, that this Lamar Jackson contract situation gets pushed back because Lamar Jackson, I mean, he doesn't have representation. He is his own representation. He doesn't have a, an agent. I think his mom's his agent or he's his agent. I don't know, but I know he doesn't have a professional agent. The more and more this gets pushed back, the more and more the team is, is, is not liking it. Because you're seeing day after day after day, players that a lot of people are not like a lot of people and and if you ask some of those NFL people 
quarterbacks that aren't as good as Lamar Jackson are getting massive deals. So then Lamar Jackson sits back like, Kyler Murray got 230, and I'm better than Kyler Murray. So what you got to offer? So I do think that this Kyler Murray uh, contract definitely affects Lamar Jackson. Because Lamar Jackson, if I was Lamar Jackson, I'm like, yo, you see what y'all gave Kyler Murray? You see what they gave Kyler Murray? Kyler Murray don't got an MVP. Kyler Murray ain't been as far in the playoff as I have. Hell, Kyler Murray ain't been to the playoff as much as I have. What you going to do? So I, I, I'm i very curious to see what this Lamar Jackson deal is going to be. I know he should get more than – and this is sort of bordering, bordering on like, oh, damn, like this is – we got to get something done fast because kind of like Juan Soto in the Nationals, the last thing you want is Lamar Jackson hitting free agency and Lamar Jackson wanting out. The The Ravens have built their team around. The, Lamar Jackson is the system. You know, people say, you know, that for the longest, a lot of people were saying Tom Brady is a system quarterback or, or Tua is a system quarterback. Lamar Jackson is the system. The Ravens built their entire team around Lamar Jackson. So the last thing the Ravens want to do and can't afford to do is lose Lamar Jackson, especially for nothing. And unlike Lamar Jackson, or unlike Juan Soto, you better get a deal done with Lamar Jackson because the NFL is not the MLB. If Lamar Jackson hits free agency or if, if if word gets out that Lamar Jackson wants out, it's over with. You're not getting none because the NFL, they, they love to let players hit free agency. Or, like we're saying with Jimmy Garoppolo, they're waiting for buyout or they're waiting, like, go figure that out. So, yeah, shouts out to Kyler for getting his $230 million. Shouts out for Lamar Jackson because I'm sure he's going to get more than that. Or at least he should get more than that. And, uh, yeah. So, I have been – I said I was I was doing my top ten before the season started. I already did my quarterbacks top ten. I did my wide receiver – I mean, no, my running back top ten. And now today I'm doing my wide receiver top ten. These are the top. These are my, 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 my top ten wide receivers in the league, and there's a lot of great wide receivers, a lot of them. Um, but this is my ten. So let me start with number ten. Now, number ten, I have Terry McLaurin. Now, I know, I know, there's a lot of people that's gonna say it's biased because I'm a Washington fan, but no. Terry McLaurin is one of the best wide receivers in the league, and in fact, I think if he he the reason why a lot of people don't talk about him or a lot of people may not have him on the top 10 list is because he doesn't he, look who the look who the look at the quarterback talent he's played with and even in that he has put up spectacular numbers i mean he had he had Taylor Heineke and no offense to Taylor Heineke he had Taylor Heineke throwing him passes he had Alex Smith throwing him passes Alex Smith after the whole leg surgery thing so 
and he's still putting up those numbers, I can only imagine what he would be or the numbers that he'll put up with a competent quarterback. I do want to see what he, what's going to happen this year with Carson Wentz. Uh, but I have Terry McLaurin number 10. I just I just feel a lot of people don't give him credit. And a lot of people are going to look at me crazy like, wait, what about what about X? What about like he doesn't blah, blah, blah. blah. He, look who he's played against. Look who he's played with. That's one of the biggest reasons why um, that's one of the biggest indictments on players like like Brandon Marshall, Brandon Marshall. No, 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 no. Like uh, Chad Ochocinco or Chad Johnson. Yes, Andy Dalton was cool, but I feel if he would have played with a better quarterback, you know, but bada bing, bada boom. Hell, that's why Randy Moss had the best season of his life when he played with Tom Brady in the Patriots. So I have Terry McLaurin at number 10 and number nine. I have Mike Evans. Now, it was a toss-up between Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, but because of the injury, uh, I don't know, you know, where Chris Godwin's going to be or how how much he's going to play. But Mike Evans is still one of those players that kind of is not talked about, but still talked about a lot. Like Mike Evans is one of the best, you know, his frame, his speed, his height, his catch ability, his catch radius is crazy. Um, and the fact that he is paired with. You know, Tom Brady is just is just gold. I mean, he was putting up numbers with Jameis Winston. Now you're always going to put up numbers with Jameis Winston. It's just Jameis Winston is going to have a lot of interceptions. Uh, but Mike Evans is one of the best. What I, what I think is, I think they when when I talk about Mike Evans, I kind of think they. You look at Mike Evans kind of the same way you look at Demar Derozan. As far as you know, he's great, uh, but. He still gets a, a sort of a level of disrespect. It's like I mean, it's it's just it's just Mike Evans. Like it's just Demar Derozan. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I have I have Mike Evans at number nine. Number eight, I have Debo Samuel's. Uh, I think I do want to see what happens with Debo Samuel as far as is he going to get traded from the San Francisco 49ers? If he does get traded, what team will he go to? Or if he stays with the 49ers, are they going to do what he's asking as far as, you know, new contract or allow him? See, the thing that's hurting Debo Debo Samuel, which he understands is while it's good to be a dual threat as far as, you know, you can play running back position or you can play the running back position, you can play the wide receiver position, that takes a toll on your body. And it also takes a toll on your on your pockets because now teams are going to be like, well, we're not going to pay you wide receiver or we're not going to pay you the market for the wide receiver because you don't that's not your primary position or we're not going to pay you market for the running back because that's not your position. So we're going to pay you something in the middle. That's not going to work. So that's why that's one of the biggest reasons why Debo Samuel wants out. But Debo Samuel is the main reason. Yes, you have George Kittle. Yes, you have Brandon Ayuk. Yes, you have, you know great defenders like Armstead and, and 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 Nick Bosa but or Fred Warner but that offense with you know when when they had Jimmy Garoppolo but even it's very imperative that that um dang what's his name Trey Lance has uh has Debo Samuels because Debo Samuels is one of the best wide receivers in the league, and you know with his breakaway ability, with his 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 speed, it 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 it's imperative that he has him. And I have Debo Samuels as number number eight, number seven. I have Justin Jefferson. For some reason, let me not say for some reason. I'm not going to disrespect Justin Jefferson. A lot of people have Justin Jefferson in their top three, top four, which I get. His talent warrants him. Uh. 
but I just think that other people's talent is a little bit is a little more. Justin Jefferson is great. He just plays on a team that doesn't get a lot of wins or recognition, which is, of course, Minnesota. And, of course, when you're playing with Kirk Cousins and playing alongside Adam Thielen, it's going to take away some of your some of your shine. But Justin Jefferson is one of the best. He's one of the most has some of the best hands in the league. He's one of the most reliable wide receivers, Um, especially when you're playing alongside someone like Kirk Cousins, who may not have the most accurate. He he has some accuracy questions, and especially in big games, he he has some some less than desirable numbers. I understand Justin Jefferson, you know, I, I understand why, and and I have Justin Jefferson at number seven. I do think that if he played with like a Patrick Mahomes or he played with like an Aaron Rodgers, he could arguably be number one. That's how good he is. But because he plays with Kirk Cousins, I put him at number seven. Number six, which you can kind of flip number six and number seven, depends on given Sunday, is Jamar Chase. Now, yes, I understand Jamar Chase. This will be his second year. But look at what we saw from Jamar Chase his first year, uh, being playing alongside, uh, you know, great wide receivers like T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. He was the standout. He was the clear-cut star for that team. Um, and playing alongside Joe Burrow, he, he – that that Joe Burrow Jamar Chase connection was one of the biggest reasons why the Cincinnati Bengals even made it to the Super Bowl. I mean, do you remember when he was dest- when he destroyed the Ravens? I th- I think the Ravens single covered him the whole game. And he had like two hundred fifty yards. It was it was bad. Jamar Chase is tough with his 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 speed after catch is crazy, and his elusiveness after catch is crazy. He reminds me of. Pre-first injury, Odell Beckham Jr. Outside the spectacular catches, but his his breakaway speed, his it's 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 crazy. I have Jamar Chase at number six, number five, and a wide receiver that doesn't get talked about enough, in my opinion, is Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs, there to me, there's a clear cut correlation to when Josh Allen got Stefan Diggs how much better he got. There is something to be said when a quarterback has a reliable number one. That's why, in my opinion, Kyler Murray got a lot better when you have a player like, I don't know, DeMar, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. That's why you saw the correlation of Dak Prescott got a lot better when he had Amari Cooper. I just there's something to be said about that, and there's a correlation. And I think Stephon Diggs is one of the best wide receivers in the league. His 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 route running is, and he's so like he has one of the best hands in the league. Justin Jefferson has great route running as well, but I have Stephon Diggs number five. I just when you look at Stephon Diggs, one of the biggest compliments that you can give him is look how good. Josh Allen is now not saying that Stefan Diggs made Josh Allen, but there is a huge correlation to Josh Allen's success with or without Stefan Diggs. So that's Stefan Diggs number five. Number four, I have Tyreek Hill. I mean, he's the fastest. He's the fastest wide receiver in the league by far. Uh, one. I mean, there, I do. It is very interesting. I do want to see what the Dolphins look like with Tyreek Hill. Seeing as you know, now you have Tyreek Hill. You have Jalen Waddle. You have some speed receivers. Mike Mike Gazeki. Well, Miles. Yeah, Mike Gazeki. You also have, of course, um, Tua Tagovailoa. I do want to see how 
you know how that goes. I also want to see what the what the Chiefs look like without Tyree Kill. You did bring in, you know, Juju Smith Schuster. You brought in Marquez Valdez Scantling, which which are great players, of course, or good players, but they're not Tyree Kill. So I do want to see that. But Tyree Kill, I mean, you're the fastest. He's the fastest player in the league, hands down. Fastest player in the league. His his breakaway speed is unlike is is almost Olympic like. That's how good he is. Not almost, probably is Olympic like. And you know how great he is when a lot of people don't even, which is crazy to me, but a lot of people don't even have the Kansas City Chiefs going to the going to the playoffs because they lost Tyree Kill. That's how crazy it is. So I have Kyrie Kill at number four. Number three, I have DeAndre Hopkins. Now. The biggest reason why I have DeAndre Hopkins at number three is because um, he's going to miss like six games due to the he was injured a lot last year and or injured towards the end of the season last year. And he's going to miss due to, uh, you know, the the anti-drug thing. He is going to miss six games now. If DeAndre Hopkins is perfectly healthy, if DeAndre Hopkins wasn't going to miss six games, I would have DeAndre Hopkins battling for number one. That's how good DeAndre Hopkins is. Just like we talked about with with the uh, how how good Stephon Diggs, I mean, how good Josh Allen was with Stephon Diggs. You can make the same exact argument with Kyler Murray. In fact, it is it is it is proven that when. Kyler Murray is 10 times better a quarterback when De, when DeAndre Hopkins is playing. In fact, they've lost more games with DeAndre Hopkins not playing, and Kyler Murray has way more interceptions with with DeAndre Hopkins not playing than they do with him playing. That's, again, the only reason why I have him third is because he's missing six games and he had an injury last year. That's, that's about it. DeAndre Hopkins is the, to, the total package. He is the... He he's great. He's great. I, again, if it wasn't for those, he if it wasn't for all that, he'd probably be number one, maybe number two. But I have I have number three. Number two, I have Cooper Cup. Look, I have been one of the people that has tried to uh, diminish. For I'm not gonna say diminish, I'll say diminish try to diminish what Cooper Cup has done or what Cooper Cup has been doing. Uh the numbers that he's been putting up, the, the clutch clutch catch after clutch catch of a clutch catch after record after record after record that he's breaking. I was trying to 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 be one of those players like it's it's not that good, guys. Like just let's just chill out, okay? Like he's playing for Mike Shanahan. I mean, not Mike. He's playing for, uh, damn, I forgot the coach's name. Sean, Sean McVay. Playing for Sean McVay. He has Matthew Stafford as a quarterback. He's playing alongside, um, Robert Woods. He's playing alongside Odell Beckham Jr. now. Like, I, I was like, but no. I can't. Cooper Cup is, is arguable, is one of the best. If wide receivers in the game, um, his route running, his 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 hands, he, his speed, his 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 knowledge of the game. 
I mean, we 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 heard the the famous um, after game answer that he gave. You know, the very technical answer that he gave. He is he's a tactician out there, and I I can't I can't keep trying to deny how great Cooper Cup is. Cooper Cup is just that good, and it's so good. Even with Aaron Donald, even with some of the players that they have, Van Jefferson, of course, Odell Beckham Jr. before he got hurt, if the 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 Rams did not have Cooper Cup, they would not have won the Super Bowl. In fact, I will go as far as to say they would not have made it to the Super Bowl if it wasn't for Cooper Cup or having Cooper Cup on the team. In fact, I think he finished second in 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 Super Bowl MVP voting. That's just a, that, it's Cooper Cup, man, number two. And number one, Devontae Adams. That that should be that shouldn't be a question. For people that don't have Devontae Adams as their number one, I don't understand why. I think I saw Chris Sims. Chris Sims list didn't have Devontae Adams number one, I don't think. I don't. Devontae Adams, there's nothing he can't do. Nothing. There's Devon. I mean, Devonte Adams is the perfect wide receiver. He's reliable. He doesn't get a lot of drops. He's very clutch. He he's his speed, his catch radius, his ability to shake off tackles, his route running. There, he has no weakness. He's 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 reliable. He's not really injured like that. He did suffer some injuries, but not like that. Devonta Adams is the perfect wide receiver. In fact, I'm very interested to see what he looks like with Derek Carr because a lot of the, the the criticism that they had with the Raiders and Derek Carr is if he had a number one receiver. How would it be like if he had a reliable outside of Darren Waller, who was, of course, a tight end? If he had an, a reliable receiver, what would, it, what would he look like? Well, you've got the number one receiver in the league now. And I'm also interested to see what happens with the Packers. Now you you have to trust other players, trust Rodgers and trust Lazard. You know what I'm saying? I, I want to see what that looks like, Robert Tanyan. But, yeah, Devontae Adams, man, he's he's number one, in my opinion, by far. Like, it's not even – there was – there if he, you know, if, this, if he wasn't suspended and if he wasn't hurt – there would be a, a, a very tight race, in my opinion, for number one between Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins. But right now, from what I've seen this last year and the last two years, yeah, I'll give it to Devontae Adams. So I have Terry McLaurin, Mike Evans uh, going from 10 to 1. Terry McLaurin, Mike Evans, Debo Samuels, Justin Jefferson. Uh, number six, I have Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, Cooper Cup. And Devonta Adams. That's my top ten wide receivers. Maybe next episode I'll probably tackle the um, the tight ends. And uh, yeah, those that's my top ten wide receiver list. I I understand people's like, where's Amari Cooper? Where is CD Lamb? They're not on my list. <laughs> that's just that's just how it is. T Higgins could have been on this list. Uh, they just didn't. They didn't crack my list. So yeah. Uh, let me know what your list is, and we'll we'll talk about it. Put in the comments. We'll talk about it. So, summer league ended. Basketball, NBA, NBA summer league that ended, and I just want to 
there's some takeaways that I have. First and foremost, um, the top five picks look NBA ready. Now, yes, I understand that Jalen Aiden or Jaden, Jaden Ivy, I apologize, uh, got hurt. But he even even in the minimal time that he played, as well as uh, Shandon Sharp, they they looked great. But Jaden, I. Keegan Murray, I think, won the MVP, the the Summer League MVP. He looked great. Jabari Smith looked good. Chet Holmgren looked great. And Pablo, Paolo Bancaro looked like a number one overall pick. And Jaden Ivey, even in little little time, looked good. They, I think, uh, shouts out to Ryan Russillo. He asked a question. He was like, Is, has the league ever been this deep? And what I mean by that is, just the sheer number of talent that we have in the league and the sheer number of talent coming in. You know, there's when you look at every draft, there's usually maybe one or two players that's NBA ready. Um, like day one can can really influence a franchise. But it's it's not you don't really get the top five picks, you know, that that look like, oh shoot, like this this they look really good. Like think about it. Let's look at the 2021 draft, right? I am. <laughs> I was about to try to. Mm, I was about to try to make a whole point. And that was hella wrong. Think about that. 2021, Kay Cunningham, Jalen Green, uh, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, Jalen Suggs, Josh Giddy was number six, and even Jonathan Kaminga. So maybe these last two draft, these last two draft, but it's it's not it's not it's very rare that you get the top four or five to to be NBA ready and to be like you can plug them in and they can be game changers day one. Uh, these last two draft picks was crazy, or last two drafts are crazy. But Paolo Bancaro, a lot of people were questioning why he went number one. He looked like the best player. Uh, best player out of this draft, even though Keegan Murray did win the Summer League MVP and he looked great. Chet Holmgren looks good. Of course, the questions that we knew were going to be there with his with his uh, his size and how thin he is, that you know, pretty much was front and center, even though he was kind of getting pushed around left and right, even though he was blocking people's shot left and right. I think he had like seven blocks one game, which is a Summer League record, I think. Six or seven. Uh, and he looked good. You know, he he can create a shot anywhere. Jabari Smith looked good. Jaden Ivey was quick, and 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 it, it was. This is this is a this is a deep draft, man. This is a deep draft, and I wouldn't be surprised if any of the top five, whether it was Paolo, Chet, Jabari, Keegan, Jaden, I wouldn't be surprised if any of them won went you know or won the the rookie of the year. That's how good this draft is, or this draft was. Another takeaway, my man Johnny Davis. Now, as we know, I'm a Wizards fan. I try to be as objective or yeah, as objective with everyone as possible, but I'm a Wizards fan at heart. And our draft pick was Johnny Davis. Now, it was very questionable at first, you know, thinking about Johnny Day. Like, why did we pick up Johnny Davis when we could have traded? We could have done anything to get – could have done anything, you know? In fact, 
there was a lot of great players after Johnny Davis that we could have got. But we got Johnny Davis. Not saying that it's bad or anything. But what I'm saying is Johnny Davis looked horrible in the summer league. When I mean horrible, he he didn't look ready. He didn't look like he looked like the game was too fast. Players were too big. And and the thing that scared me the most or that scares me the most is he was drafted to be a plug and play as far as you're supposed to get drafted. Like they wanted the Washington wants him to be like the number 2 piece or number 3 piece. Along, or they actually wanted to be the number two piece alongside Bradley Bill, relieve some of the scoring, um, some of the ball handling, and he looks far from that. And the thing again that scares me, ooh, sorry, the thing that scares me the most about this is he was struggling mightily in the summer league. The summer league is not the NBA. Yeah, you have like you, you all the draft picks, you have some players, you have some second year players. But you're struggling with the summer league. What's going to happen when you get to when you're playing against the actual player, actual league? The man's going to play the two, maybe three, probably the two, maybe even the one. So think about it. On any given night, he can see Steph, Dame, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown. Clay Thompson. Mm. It just doesn't look good, man. It doesn't look good for it just doesn't like he's turned it looks like he looks more like a project. And it'd be different like in in twenty twenty one when when Golden State drafted uh Jonathan Kaminga at seven, you knew he was a project. It's okay when you have players like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, uh, you have James Wiseman, you, you have players like that. So you can draft a player with incredible upside. That's more of a project at seven because you don't really need much else. Like you don't really need anything else. And he provides a he provides something that the team doesn't have, which is, you know, a young athletic player. And then, of course, you then follow that with getting Moses, Moses Moody, which is more of a ready player. So you can draft a project at number seven. Washington doesn't have that. Washington doesn't have the culture to develop something. Washington doesn't have uh, – they they need him. They need Johnny Davis to be good game one, and it doesn't look like he will be. So I hope I'm wrong, but it doesn't look like I am. So another takeaway is um, Terry, Terry Eason – and Trenton Walford, they they might be the steals of the draft. Now Terry Eason, he made the the he was drafted, of course, to the Rockets. Made the summer league second team or first team, and Trenton Walford made the second team, of course, for Portland. They look they look like they can arguably be the steals of the drafts. I don't know yet. Not saying I don't think they'll win rookie of the year or anything, but I do think that you know Terry Eason is going to be going to if he if he can take what he did in the summer league and take it to the actual team, he's going to be great. Um, so is I mean, Trenton Walford. They're Portland's going to need him. So 
I just think they could arguably be the steal of the draft, just how good they looked in the summer league. They, they looked they looked seasoned in the summer league, both of them. And, yeah, yeah. And my last takeaway, and I know this is going to sound like I'm singling them out because I kind of am, but not in a bad way, and that's Sharif O'Neal. There was already questions as to why he was coming out early. I understand, you know, seeing as though he had little to no success in L- at LSU. Um, and I wanted to see what he looked like in the Summer League. Of course, he signed a Summer League contract with uh, the Lakers, um, which is, of course, ironically, the team that his father, Shaquille O'Neal, saw the most success. Not saying they needed it, you know what I'm saying? But... Um, but I wanted to see how we looked in the summer league. I wanted to see maybe, you know, LSU just wasn't the right fit. Maybe he just he, he the talent. I was I was trying to figure something out because I said he can't be this bad and think that he can go. Or let me not say that. Let me let me say it in a better way. The lack of success that he saw at LSU, in my opinion, did not warrant him coming out early. And going to the league or and and teams wanting to draft him. Well, I was kind of right. Now, at this point, it doesn't seem like Sharif O'Neal is an NBA talent. He could, he could develop. He could be a great player. He could work. But as of right now, he does not seem, or he isn't an NBA talent. He didn't really stand out. He had a couple good plays in his summer league, but he didn't stand out. He wasn't, he wasn't eye popping. He his even with his frame, he he just he's not an NBA player, and that has kind of been confirmed because he signed a six figure deal with the G League Ignite, which shouts out to you. Get your money, my guy. I I I'm happy for you, and of course. He can develop and, and get better and get better and then eventually land on a on an NBA team. But from what I saw in the summer league, kind of mirrors what I saw at LSU, a player that just isn't NBA talent. So that's that, man. Those are some of the takeaways I have from the summer league. So Moving forward, uh, I wanted to shout out Sydney McLaughlin uh, for breaking her own, <laughs> breaking her own 400 hurdles, 400 hurdles record, at 50.68 seconds. Mm, mm, mm. In fact, uh, she already broke, she broke, she already broke her world record. This that 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 was the fourth time in two years that she broke her record. You see, Olympics, man, Olympics has some marquee sports. Not saying all the sports aren't important, but, you know, track and field or track, you know, the the hurdles, the the 400, the relays, those are always big. You know, when we talk about uh, Winter Olympics, you know, the the half pipe, the snowboarding, uh, of course, Summer Olympics, you have, is it Summer or winter. I think winter Olympics also because it's inside. You have NBA or um, basketball. Sydney McLaughlin is becoming a, a superstar in the in the in the tra- in the sports world in the in the tra- in the track and field in the Olympics world. 
you know, when we talk about Usain Bolt, when we talk about uh, Kate Ledecky, when we talk about um, some of the great Olympians, Sean White, Philip, uh, hell, Kobe, Carmelo, since he has four, four gold medals. Sydney McLaughlin is, I mean, she's one of the fastest women of all time. I think she's only 22 or 20, maybe 24, something like that. She's one of the fastest women of all time. She's already, she, she broke, a, she broke a record again, the fourth time in two years. Mm, mm, mm. You know how fast that was? The second place person was 52, 52.28. Now I understand 50.68 and 52.28 doesn't, or 0.27 doesn't sound like a lot, but it is leaps and bounds. Like it is almost a country mile wide. And when we talk about track and field. Yeah, man. Shouts out to Sydney McLaughlin, man. She definitely deserves it, man. She is one of the fastest women of all time. Shouts out to you. And shouts out for winning gold, breaking your own record. And I think that she helped Team USA as well uh, stun the Jamaicans in the relay as well. So shouts out, shouts out. And I think Jamaicans took silver and Americans took gold. So shouts out to the shouts out to her. Damn, she fast. <laughs> and lastly, before we go, man, Liz, 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 Liz Cambage, man. I don't look. I don't know what's going on. I only know what's being told to us. And the latest report is, um, Liz Cambage and. Or Liz Cambage has quit on the LA Sparks. Her her she and the team have agreed to a um agreed to a uh a contract divorce and she she went out. Now, again, I don't know what's going on. I'm not an insider. I I don't know. I don't know. But there is something to be said, man. We talk about Kyrie, right? And we talk about how it didn't work in Cleveland, how it didn't work in Boston, how it didn't work or it's not really working in Brooklyn. And there's some accountability that you have to take for that, you know? Again, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. But I do know that it didn't work for the Dallas. It didn't work in Dallas. It didn't work in Las Vegas. And granted, these she she's she's a very good talent. She's one of the best talent in the league. But when you have a team that has Kelsey Plum, that has Asia Wilson, that had had Liz Cambage, that had Jackie, when you have that those players and you still don't win, and then now you go to the Sparks that has the Nabumake sisters, that has Liz Cam or had Liz Cambage that. Got Lexi Brown. And you, and, uh, again, I don't know what's going on. But I do know that there is some accountability that needs to be had. And this is yet another failed situation for Liz Cambage. And we do know, oh, not to mention Australia. I, 
Jesus Christ. The Australia team doesn't even want her because some of the wild things she said to about the Nigerian team, which, by the way, she's playing with Nigerians. And then the Bumake sisters. So uh, there's some accountability that needs to be had. Again, I don't know. I'm going to continue to say I don't know because I don't know until more things come out. But this is yet another team where it didn't work for Liz Cambage. And she's a supremely talented person. But yet another team didn't work. At some point, sometimes you got to look in the mirror. And there you have it, man. That's been today's episode of the Impopular Podcast. I appreciate I keep hitting this mic. Lord Jesus. I appreciate you guys. Um, If you want a popular podcast, shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve, joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Go support the Unpopular Podcast store. Go get your merch today. Hey, I think it looks good. Do what you got to do. Also, please subscribe to wherever you're listening. Please subscribe to wherever you're watching. I'm trying to get the algorithms going, and I can only, I can, I can't do it without you guys. And, you know, comment, share, like, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. It definitely means a lot to me. Uh, and until next time, much love. Talk. Woke up to niggas talking like me. Talk. 
woke up to niggas sounding like me. I woke up to niggas sounding like me. Woke up to niggas talking like me. Woke up to niggas sounding like me. Woke up to niggas talking like me. Boy, I didn't like me. Then she like me. That bitch want to indict me. She can't find me. I'm like, daddy, up the sprite, please. With some ice, with my bitch and like the ceiling. Sand perks, Molly, we got hella things. I'm in love with the guac, gave it a weather ring. And I swear I had these stops before I got the fame. And I swear I had the guac before I got the chain. I'm in Biden with Pyrus and I don't even bang. Shout out G, we in your L, yo, hold at the game. Shout out GG, that's my boo, she know that I claim. Shooting at these niggas like I'm in the pain. Woke up like this. Woke up to niggas talking like me. Woke up to niggas sounding like me. Woke up to niggas talking like me. Woke up to niggas sounding like me. I woke up to niggas sounding like me. Woke up to niggas talking like me. Woke up to niggas sounding like me. Woke up to niggas talking like me.